Here are the highlights of Kentucky's hunting and fishing. Here is the story of the bluegrass state's great outdoors. Here are the outlines of good conservation and the technical and biological advances made by the men in the field. Wherever there's news of sportsman interest, then here is Kentucky Afield. I, I used to listen, watch that when I was a kid, black and white. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That oh, should be the original intro. Yep. Yeah. I remember when it was on. I remember black and white Kentucky Afield. I, I remember the magazine. Well, that's when it was, was when I was a kid. They wouldn't make, I watched it You go to the Saturday fair and I get my, I that public fishing book, you know, the ponds, that blue one. Mm-hmm. I get that, and I get the Kentucky field. I go home, I read everyone, like, God, someday I'll get to fish Elmer Davis Lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, just think of what it was like when I was watching it when I was a boy. When, they, Like I said, there was, I was uh, mostly Hopi, Hope Carlton. I just remember Hopi is who I With his flannel shirt on mm-hmm. and sitting there by the fire. Anyway. Let's get it started. I'm going to yeah. tell, tell everybody who the voices are, and then I'll tell you why we're playing that. But <laughs> I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. Hope everybody's doing well. It's beautiful. Beautiful time of year. It's probably the best day you could imagine for Thurby. Full sun yeah. and seventy-two, right. mm-hmm. and uh, it will be packed. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be busy. Today's probably the day of the week. Yeah. And then the other voice you heard was Rick Hill, wildlife artist. <laughs> yeah. Glad to be with you guys. Yeah, today. you've been on the podcast one time before. I think. Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah. And you know, this morning on the way in, I was tracking my brain trying to think what all did we talk that day because I don't necessarily want to hit on everything the same way. But right. So your right. official title is wildlife artist, right? Right, I'm a staff wildlife artist for the department. Been here for a long time. Not just that, though, but you're also an avid outdoors person. Yes. Had some luck turkey hunting this year. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about all that, but first, the Open. That is the original Open from Kentucky Field. And the reason we played that one is, unfortunately, Ron Rohde passed away. Yeah. Just uh, found that out late two days ago. So yesterday we made a Facebook post, but... You, you guys could probably describe Ron better than me, um, knowing the history of the department, mm-hmm. but essentially he was the first host and creator of Kentucky Field TV and Kentucky Field Radio. Right. Um, and that was back in 1953. And yesterday, of course, after finding out that he passed away, I wanted to, you know, since he created the show and he was pretty monumental in the show, mm-hmm. I wanted to do something on at least social media for him. So I started digging through some old material. And so yesterday I spent time watching old clips and listening and I, I found that intro there and i thought that was pretty cool yeah. so i thought at right. least for, at least for one show let's let's i love watching those right. old clips well yeah. now listen to that yeah. intro it's actually pretty descriptive you know mm-hmm. like, yes. i mean it's it's well written and it's well spoken so i yeah. i actually really like what they yeah. said there <laughs> yeah but um ron you know roadie when i was going through it and listening to all the clips it kind of jumped out to me something i hadn't thought about was how innovative what they did was you know Mm -hmm. because in 1953 nobody had ever thought to use radio or tv to promote hunting or fishing or to educate people so the whole idea of information education and conservation Mm -hmm. kind of started right there right it it was a fellow named harry tolls yep oh harry tolls i met him harry tolls a couple of times yeah well he he worked for the department he had this idea of let's use tv which was just starting and radio to get our message out there to tell people what's going on in the outdoors to tell them about conservation to educate them about wildlife and that was the first time it ever been done so harry tolls had this this innovative idea and he reaches out to a junior at uk who was in um what was he political science but he was hosting a radio show at uk is a 21 year old so he reached out to him and ron Rody at age 21 came over and started, wow, started yeah, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> harry tolson a few years later and then for a long stretch especially when hope carlton was the first real i guess official host mm-hmm. after him yeah 
uh, Harry Tolles did the fishing reports, yeah. and that's how, how I remember him. He'd yeah. have the map of each yeah. lake, and he'd have a marker, <laughs> and he'd circle the lake and talk about how deep the fish were, water temperature, <laughs> and worms and crickets. They're catching my worms and crickets and minnows, and yeah. I'd be glued to TV. Oh, oh, if only I could be right there. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. It was now the um, the fishing report. We have footage of that, and um, it was almost on like a weather broadcast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he would yeah. stand in front of like a board or something. Some maps, and it, yeah. he'd circle a spot on Lake Tomlin. They're catching them near the dam on this bluff wall. He, yeah, that's, <laughs> I remember the marker and doing that. Well, even Ron in one of the clips I watched watched of him talked about and then this clip was from 2008 so he was looking back and he talked about how the fishing reports what drove it he said the fishing report basically they, their show back then was three segments mm-hmm. it was uh, they would go out in the field every week and they would shoot a video segment which was silent and they would show that during the weekly live broadcast and they would narrate it as they were watching it with the viewers and then they would do an in-studio interview with somebody, and then they would have the fishing report. Mm-hmm. So their show was three segments, mm-hmm. just like it is now, but it was just done in a different format. So right. Technology has right. let us do things a little bit differently, where sure. we can carry cameras in the field that record audio, and we can put together stories quick enough. So. Right. But it's, I mean, it, it was really interesting, and I'm going to take some of that older footage, and I'm going to put a, a short short something together. Basically what happened was in 2008, Farmer took Ron Rohde out on the boat, launched from Benson Marina down mm-hmm. here in Frankfurt. They went out on the Kentucky River, and they uh, didn't get enough fish to make a, a segment then. And uh, so all that footage has never aired. So, oh. you know, they did some bow fishing. They yeah. did some fly fishing. So since none of that was ever seen, luckily Sangster, Nathan Sangster, who mm-hmm. shot it, had the presence of mind at the time <clears> to say, you know, even though we aren't going to use this, we might want to keep it. So right. he, he backed mm-hmm. up every clip. Good. So I can now go through and then, you know, oh, using nice. 2008 footage and I can build a, a segment that's never been seen before. So wow. try to turn that around and knock it out. That was thinking week, ahead. So. That was smart. For oh, him Sangster. That. Right. That's yeah, something, he's on the ball. something he's very good at is thinking yeah. ahead as, as, and for, yeah. as far as things like that go. Yeah. But, um, so you were around when some of these guys were around. What year did you start with the department? I started in 19, March 1st, 1986. So not, yeah, Ron was obviously In the fisheries division. No, I, I used to w- watch him, but I met a lot of those guys back in the, I did a, my first piece of artwork for the magazine, 1976. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started being around the department a lot and mm-hmm. was on the TV show because I was also doing carvings of fish different forms of art that they were interested in so, so you had already done art for the department before you got hired on as a oh, yeah. 10 years prior krill clerk is what your original job was yeah in 86 right? i started as krill mm-hmm. clerk or nolan lake yeah there was a segment we did with you a while back a couple of years ago and you talked about that bridge you were always under yeah because yeah, i was i lived about a mile from that bridge oh really yeah do you think you could paint that from memory right now spend mm. so much time down there well i could probably paint a scene of the actual river i don't know yeah. about the bridge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. the bridge might have changed too in the past 37 yeah. years you've been here a long time rick mm-hmm. why don't you retire because <laughs> you do i'm the, having too much fun you do I the guess. same thing in your spare time that yeah i do here. freelance artwork as well but i like my connection to the department i like being the face of the kentucky field magazine which yeah. i've been doing for a long time yeah, we don't want you to retire. So. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, they won't let me retire. That's a yeah. big problem. I like so. that, too. I mean, it's it's been something I've wanted to say. It's been one of the honors of my life is to oh, be able to well. work with you. You're, well, I, I mean, I've admired your work since I was a, in high school. Yeah. No, I'm telling how old I am. Yeah, I mean, That's all right. 
but it was, I was like, ah, oh, like, you work with Rick Hill now? I was like, I sure do. It's, uh, you know, you're just a magnificent talent and a well, fine, fine You man. exaggerate, but I'm like the old man in the sea at Fish and Wildlife now. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like, think you'd be as old, Rick. No, I, really I don't, don't either. The, I will say, when I was in high school, some of my friends who were into art and also enjoyed the outdoors, I remember them talking about your work. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah, just yeah. In, in school. And they were big Kentucky Field fans, too. They watched the okay. – but that's when I watched Kentucky Field as a – kid is when i would go over to my friend bobby's house and they would always watch it every sunday morning oh yeah so i would be over there and he's the one who also talked about your artwork he did he had in his room his own wildlife art that he had done which was nowhere near the quality (laughs) (laughs) i did a lot of educational posters of streams and then the fishes of kentucky and they were a lot of people had those in their houses in the rooms in the schools so a lot of people knew me from that. Pretty much if you've seen I had the endangered species poster. Yeah, that one? at the fair, oh, I think, one year. Okay. I had that for a long time. Yeah. Pretty much if you've seen any artwork through the Department of Fish and Wildlife, the scenes, you know, the creeks and streams or any of the, the fish stickers or the fish posters. Yeah, all the fish that we use. Yeah. Cover of the magazines, right. any illustrated cover of a hunting or fishing guide, all of that is your artwork. Like right. the, the recent right. turkey guide is phenomenal. I thought like, the turkey guide was great. Turns out that was an older photo, an older painting that you had done for another purpose right but well it was it was on the cover of the magazine years before yeah i thought it was great and i mean like 20 years almost before and you guys have the newest magazine which should have just hit people's mailboxes yeah subscribers. It's, been, it's been out a couple of weeks yeah. that, that one's got three sturgeon lake sturgeon lake on sturgeon front. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, those, yeah. that's great those are really neat fish oh yeah i was lucky enough to be there the day first day of release when it was around 2007 or 8 mm-hmm. around 8 did you Something go up? Is like that when you, you went with John Williams? Yeah, with John Williams and was took Doug pictures. Up there? I was, was Doug taking Stevens pictures. Up there? Yeah, mm-hmm. the old crew. Yeah, from the southeast. And uh, Danny Parks too. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I got a picture of all of us together in the shocking boat. I used oh, to, have to some, do it. There were some great guys there. Yeah, yeah. that's you know just thinking great guys. That's another story that. Uh, Ron told was about some of the jokes the guys have played on him because he's 21. You know, he's got oh, God, I'm sure he got. Yeah, he, he talked about a good one out of Lawrenceburg after they got done shooting a noodle in segment in Anderson County. Mm-hmm. So they took him out to their favorite restaurant. And there was a private room off to the side of the dining room, and there was a what looked like a pane glass window separating the dining room from the private room and they told him that it was a one-way mirror and that the people on the in the dining room were looking <laughs> uh-huh. at a mirror and they could see out they couldn't see them and they had him like thumb his nose at this big guy that was sitting in the dining room <laughs> he stood up walked in there and you know i can just see that joke being played so you ever, you ever fish played? and wildlife has a long history of practical jokes yeah i was wondering if oh, we yeah. could ever participate in any of those oh, yeah. oh i participate yeah. as, a, as the, the victim or as the perpetrator did you, there. you oh, didn't I'm, do the hot coffee cup though i was farmer wasn't it no well, I worked with Tim Farmer for several years <laughs> yeah. in the fisheries division, and there was lots of tricks played, mostly by Tim. On he perpetrated those on unsuspecting oh, victims, he, but occasionally we would get him. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I've got a pond on my farm, and one time I guess the worst trick they ever played on me was they took cleaned carcasses of fish. And laid them all around the bank, like somebody in <laughs> some food wrappers where somebody been camping, like at my, on my farm eating and clean my fish. <laughs> I only went that? to my neighbor and asked Farmer him, "Have you seen any strangers around?" Before I found out that they did, 
<laughs> Farmer did that? No, one? no, that was Benji Kimmon. Oh, yeah. He was in cool. on that and some of the fisheries guys. They take yeah. a big old blue cap. That's what they did. Blue cap. They had it from a, stu- a study somewhere and they brought the, <laughs> the carcasses and laid them around up there. That's funny. Bags oh, that's, of, that's classic. Of hostess ho ho wrappers and <laughs> hot dog packages. Probably some empty pop cans. Pop cans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never I was, heard that one, Rick. You've never was, told me that one. I was pretty fired up. That's a oh, great, God, that's, that's great. That's a great joke. Yeah. Because Rick loves his blue catfish. Yeah, yeah, I got pretty fired up over that one. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, the otters came and ate them anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't make a difference. Oh, yeah, well. Well, yeah. that's, a, that's a great joke. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give Benji credit. Next time yeah. I see <laughs> Yeah, I still owe him for that. Well, I don't know. I've got him pretty good a couple of times. I was saying on the, you know, the turkey guide this year. Remember, didn't o- uh, Roby Doan use that painting? Remember, he cut that background turkey out yeah, and made and used that for our calls. Right. I said that before, and then uh, Roby texted me, hey, thanks for mentioning me on the podcast. So if you're listening, Roby, uh, Rick and I both appreciate that call. That's right. right. I've still got mine. That's a pretty Roby call. Roby Doan, good man. Yep. So as far as what you guys have been working on lately, Rick, artwork i know you just finished up the surgeon one probably i mean a little bit ago because i had to go to the printer and yeah it. that was i just finished another cover for the summer it'll be on the summer issue which That's will be leaving soon like, for what, the printer. what are you working on now so. and it's a uh, the belted kingfisher okay on russell creek hmm. oh really with hmm. a creek chub oh. in its grasp i like that and it's bill yeah i saw a kingfisher the other day i can't remember oh, yeah. exactly where that rattling call they make when they flies Always, you, yeah. you can hear them way off. Mm-hmm. You know they're fishing, running up and down the stream. But they've been on my pond lately. Right. But I did a female because they're the prettiest. Okay. Yeah. But you know, you... the male has the, if you get close enough to really look at one, mm-hmm. they have that uh, bluish-gray band back and then across their chip breast. Mm-hmm. But a female also has another band under that with a little white in between of a rust band. Hmm. These little hmm. fine details that I've. Never would have known or noticed, probably. Rick, he has to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're going to have to get you that. you got to get pretty close to one to really see that. I don't know if I could ever They're tell They're somewhat you. elusive, as you know. I mean, yeah. you can't walk up to them. Yeah, but if you're yeah. floating down a creek, you know. Yeah, you get fairly close doing that. Yeah, yeah, it seems like when you're floating, animals just aren't as afraid of you. It's not the same as seeing a two-legged person walking down yeah. the bank mm-hmm. when you come floating in. Yeah, and that's one reason I love floating those creeks and stuff. Yeah. No, it's the best did you guys see some good wildlife on your float though? yes we did you guys one of them uh, we were in this deep hole tell me where you're at russell creek uh, russell creek we were uh we floated from uh, the little community of milltown it's a ghost town it reminds me a lot of krillsboro if you fish the cumberland river um you know former stores there's no post office there big beautiful mansion on top and they're all yeah now tell us what county that is, is that green that's county? adair that's adair, adair. Okay. and then the other float is green that's so you're, you're in green. northern adair county there right. you're not mm-hmm. far from the border right. at all but um, I look over and I see something struggling, like something pulling it under. Some of the party thought it might have been a, a baby a blue heron. I, I, something was eating it. But as we went down the bank about 50 yards, I look over. I see one looks like a little river otter. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. two little river otters. Three. And they all come out of a little hole. It was the young of the year mm-hmm. and cool. the, they were still r- kind of rough looking and weren't shiny yet and their tails were shorter so they'd they had to be baby. really young if you've already seen them mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then the, but all four of them came out of the same hole yeah and was heading toward that, that was mama had a i thought it was a catfish but 
mama had something and they were uh-huh. going to go eat lunch those river otters they can they can find the fish oh, and then i was they're I was amazing sick. yeah they and then really i are. said thank god rick hill didn't hear it sound like vietnam <laughs> <laughs> no that's not true <laughs> no we've had some get run-ins. the bar get the bar <laughs> we've had some lay down the napalm in my in my pond on my yeah. farm because they'll eat all the fish you have so i try to keep them out of there but in the wild they're really neat although yeah. they can put a lot of pressure on a small stream because they're no, very so this effective. was a very deep hole very oh they're so effective it's crazy. I, I've seen their work. I, I've, like I, I've probably told this story before, but I used to have a deer stand that was set up right on Bullskin Creek mm-hmm. in Shelby County, and I had a group of, I think, seven otters come through one day, and they would go down, pop up, fish, go down, pop up, fish, and they'd come up there, and they'd chew on them for a second and pop back down, and it's amazing. They're like a, a leopard or a mm-hmm. jaguar or something of the water. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're just more athletic and tougher. And, you oh, know, yeah, they're amazing. And they can take really big fish. Yeah. Because I've seen him do it and bring him up on the, the bank. The one, what it was struggling with looked pretty, pretty big. <laughs> it, Twenty pound plus. Twenty pound blues. And bring them up on the bank and only nibble on them and then not really eat them mm. and just leave them there. They don't come back and eat them either. If they do that, they just. Hmm. Sometimes it's like they they do. It's part of their instinct. It's just like sport. Once they've had their fill mm. of eating, they they still, still enjoy the chase. Right. I think. They're kind yeah. of cat like. Yeah. Kind of cat like. And they'll sense. just lay them in a little pile somewhere. We saw just, a bald eagle on that float too. Oh yeah. But. Um, Russell Creek has 18 species that are threatened or several on the federally endangered species list. Kentucky threatened or federally wow. endangered. Must they found an American eel, which is one of the most fascinating oh, yeah. uh, Crazy animals. animals. They the, found the, American The fact eel that there. they come that far. It's it, home it, to the elegant mad land, tom, yeah. which only exists in the upper green now. Um, according to some say there might be some in Alabama, but the sources I saw um, it's just in the upper green and a little bit of Tennessee, but mainly Russell Creek's one of their last strongholds. Hmm. Right. Um, it must be pretty good water quality. It's, for, well, you know, Matt Thomas told me, we he was on, we talked about sturgeon here. The last Was that the last podcast or yep. two podcasts ago? Um, two ago. And I, I saw Matt in the parking lot this morning. And, uh, you know, and, and something I quote him in the story is, is you know, that you're right on the edge of that Mammoth Cave karst region. So you have, and, and when I floated, there's springs coming in constantly so you're getting that good groundwater discharge which really helps the water quality i mean there were river yeah. red horse mm-hmm. in there rick we'd be flowing through a little riffle and be a foot deep it's almost i could grab a two foot long river red horse with yeah, the bright orange are, tail everywhere you look fish. there were suckers everywhere mm-hmm. you look sculpins crayfish well to have those species, species sculpins and whatnot that's sculpins pretty good water cool. quality yeah. sculpins are real cool and you did all this for a blue water trails mm-hmm. it's coming I, out I, yes I'm, i've written it now the rough draft's done it's being reviewed uh then then dave will go through it and edit it and uh, it's being laid out so that that thing will be done very soon i mean it's the, the hard part done did y'all catch an eel did you no th- they fishing? found one in sampling and also, okay. when they, they had a small fish kill way up there, and they found an eel up there. Every well. eel you see in Kentucky it can, <clears throat> has come from the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, it's wild how that works. And, that, and they really originated well, Sargasso Sea they, out yeah, in the ocean, and then they end up in the brackish water, and the males, mm-hmm. no, I think the, the females are the only ones that come up, and the males wait back there. Yeah, but, and as the, far but as the females go, come all the, they're the ones that come up in. Yeah, they come as far as they can go and, ter- and uh, mature, mm-hmm. and then they go back, and, and then, then they get together back there and it all starts over. They head out there. To so the all their spawning takes place in what's the name of the sea? The Sargassa. Sargassa. Sar- Sargassa yeah. Where's that at? Um, That's is it between Bermuda. Cuba yeah, and the kind of Bermuda, that, that part of the Atlantic. You so. know when you when you're in the Gulf and you sometimes you see that weird floating 
weed that's kind of amber color mm-hmm. and sometimes fish hide in it that's sargassa weed mm-hmm. So it, it is crazy how every one of those eels comes. <clears throat> if we have them in Kentucky, well, they came all the way up Mississippi, all yeah. the way up the Ohio. How do they get over the yes. Think of all the obstacles Ohio. they and have to get back. Six, and then, you know, Lock and Dam 5 and 6 are gone now, but, but this eel probably traverse six Locks and Dams yeah. up the green to get to Russell Creek. And they're growing and maturing Amazing. as they come. Oh. Yeah. I've caught them in Salt River before <laughs> they built the lake. Before they built the lake, I lived on Salt River right where you the lake Candy is. Candy Branch, right? Yeah, right in off that Candy area. Branch. And I caught one on a worm once yeah. fishing for drum oh yeah and catfish you see people catch them on uh night crawlers and stuff every now and then yeah it's bottom fishing right the only time i've ever seen them is uh i thought i saw them one time up in a creek but they turned out to be lampreys oh uh, yeah <laughs> but then uh i've seen them on the kentucky river before covering a fish kill down there and they were all just floating which was sad <clears throat> that's when oh, i man. learned how far they had to actually come up yeah the, the one i caught was about three foot long yeah that's a good deal now yeah th- that part of the remember jim strader and i've asked you about this that part of salt river before the lake that was pretty decent that was mainly spotted bass habitat was that yeah was that i never saw bass? a small mouth I, they may have been somewhere but, well that part in I, the wma there where the white bass run is that looks small mouthy as all get out i catch part. a small mouth every now and then i catch yeah, them there you've got you've caught a good one i've up caught there, some pretty good ones there well you know they're giant but i mean you know maybe 17 18 inches was the biggest one well, by i'll take far. that in i mean if you ask these stream fishermen, would you like to catch an 18-inch smallmouth? I don't think any yeah, of them would say no. That was several years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, but, you know, the crazy thing is you don't catch them in the lake. Yeah. Just, you know, no, you, they don't get past that area. It's like right a certain there. island or so. It's like maybe the last riffle. I don't know right. if I've ever caught one down there where it gets muddy um, on the, towards uh, the bridge. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever caught one that far down. I'm sure they go down no, there. Every one I caught was above that. Yeah, I, I'm going from Palmer and up pretty much is where I've caught Yeah, it's way up. Yeah. 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 So those blue water trails, Lee, I was just sitting here. I hadn't planned on talking about this, but, I mean, it's that time of year where people are breaking out their kayaks mm-hmm. and, you know, going for the first time. So maybe it would be a good time just to tell people where they can find those and what's there again. Well, um, go. You could, there's several ways, but uh, we have a canoeing and kayaking page on the website, and underneath that is – and also we have a stream uh, – is my blue water trails, but we also have a stream fisheries page, which is fabulous. And Jay Harawa and Dave Baker before him did a lot of work. Yep going out and sampling these streams, getting a handle on what we have. They take pictures of the access spots. They t- they go and groundproof the access spots. They take pictures of them. So if you're driving, you know, oh, okay, this is what it looks like. They put their, their shocking uh, results from the population sampling on there, and my Blue Water Trails are contained there as well. But you can just go to the web, the search bar, Blue Water Trails, and I'll bring up the page. Yeah, and the Blue Water Trails has the maps <clears throat> included that show the mm-hmm. access sites and show the distance between sections, which is important. You know, if you're planning a – you can literally plan a, a lifetime worth of kayak trips, you know, between Blue Water Trails and the uh, – fish boat ky up that mm-hmm. shows you all the access points yes. i mean you could you could do a different one every time you went mm-hmm. and you know i think that's a good resource so pointing people in that direction is probably a good thing to and do this, right now. it's the time of year i think waiter time's over i think it's wet legging time don't you oh yeah i was wet legging <clears> and <throat> i was way steep in the ohio last friday then to oh no, really to no avail i was way steep in water knee deep in mud oh it was oh, not okay. the best situation <clears throat> but i i got down there and i I could see that current break out there where the water was coming through the upper, and I, could, I thought if I just get a little further, I might be able to reach that break. Yeah. You know, trying to hit because I'm I always like fishing those current seams. If you got water coming through real quick and heavy, right. and then there's just that slack water on the side. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I just if I can hit a swim bait yeah. or a fluke into that 
moving water and have it naturally drift over to the side and hit Yeah, where they may be waiting to feed. If it just natural drift, I don't reel or anything until it hits that slack water. Then as soon as it hits that slack water, I'm expecting a bite on my next couple of jigs. And if I get, you know, 10 yards away from that moving Mm -hmm. water, I'll just reel it in and cast again. So So you didn't have any luck? I couldn't quite make it. Couldn't get to it? I would have dealt with more water, but I didn't like my feet being in mud. Um, I, you know, my, I'm fine with the mud, but it was to the point where it was almost like you're going to get stuck a little sticky, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and I don't like my feet being stuck in place mm-hmm. when I'm in water. So I, mm-hmm. you know, just for safety reasons, I, yeah, I pull your shoe off too. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wear lace. Uh, like I, when I fish the river now, I don't wear anything that could possibly slip off. Mm-hmm. I wear, you know, lace up boots with good soles because you yeah, don't. You I don't wear know wade boots of. even when, no matter what. If I'm wading yeah. at all, I wear wade yeah. boots in the river, especially because you don't know what kind of junk's in there. Oh, no. Barbed yeah. wire fence, uh, you know, glass, yeah. you know, muscle shells. If you have tevas on or whatever, you get yeah. a good oh, broken cut. broken muscle shell will cut, cut you, you like a yeah. like a razor. Yeah, you were talking about your float down Russell Creek. Well, the day before that, I went down Green. And, I know, uh, we, well, and the green was little when we went over it. But you know, it was it was still good. I don't think that we had we never had to get out of our kayaks and drag them. Um, at fifty, even at fifty cfs, the green holds a good enough channel. Mm-hmm. You know, where we scraped bottom a couple times, but there was not a single time we had to get out and, and haul it. Did you catch any smallmouth? Yeah, we caught smallmouth, um, smallmouth, rock bass, and spotted bass that day. Saw one muskie um, in passing, just kind of passed through it. Every you know, when the water's crystal clear like that. Then low, you know, you can see every rock on the bottom if you got a pair of polarized sunglasses on. And, of course, floating through, I saw one muskie and made some casts but never saw it again. So, But it, it was beautiful. But we saw a ton of wildlife, too. At one point, we were going past a section that was kind of a bluffy on the left, but it wasn't a straight bluff. It was just mm-hmm. a steep hill. And I heard rustling around up there, and I started looking. And Kristen said, oh, it's a deer. And I started, kept looking, and it was a coyote with a squirrel in its mouth. Oh, wow. Oh, that's <clears throat> and and the, the hill was steep enough where he couldn't shoot straight up it. So he was he was zigzagging his way up that hill, and we got to see him for a, probably a solid minute running up that wow, hill with that, coy- with that squirrel. And then not a half mile down the stream, there was another coyote on the bank to the right where a small creek flowed in. He was running up the bank of that small creek. And then we had a herd of deer. I mean, it was like at least 12 deer have run across the river right in front of us in a shallow and they were splashing through almost <laughs> like you see elk deer yeah. or something yeah there. that's neat yeah it was really cool and we saw a bald eagle fly over and there was also we saw a bald eagle the other day and eight eight turkeys <clears throat> there was a one hen turkey on the left bank of the river as we were floating down it and as we got about 30 yards away i could tell it's getting ready to fly and Kristen was up in front of me and it took one just one or two flaps and then it sailed all the way across the river mm-hmm. right there in front of her just eye level so it was we saw a ton oh, of neat. wildlife yeah but you wouldn't see it out of a kayak, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you yeah. know when you're in the water wading, wildlife's yeah. still pretty mm-hmm. good with you. But yeah. And I noticed that when you're on the other side of a creek, wildlife is you know a creek, a sizable creek. Right. They feel a little protected. Yeah. Probably. I used to hunt um, along Elkhorn, and you know it's something about a deer on the same side of the creek as me. It was always looking for me. But if there was a deer on the other side of the creek, it was like they didn't really pay any attention right. to the opposite bank. So I guess they feel a little safety. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tell me about your turkey hunt, Rick. I want to tell you about mine too. Well, you've had my no, turkey hunt was pretty short, but you went out with your son Clinton, right? right. Yeah, and we saw we were late getting in, even though that's our fault because it's right where I live. Yeah, you took your house. We walked. Traffic wasn't an issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had to get that last drink of coffee in it, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, it was starting to barely get light, and we saw some turkeys roosting. We passed them. 
at a little bit of a distance and tried to not step on any sticks and got back. We had an old blind set up in this field where I have a little wheat planted and some clover. And mm. Anyway, to make a long story short, we we get in and we can hear at least one tom goblin on the roost. Mm. Next thing you know, we hear him flying down and could see him silhouette him as the sun was coming up. How many were there? About, well, it turned out to be uh, three hens, one Jake and one Tom, mm -hmm. and they were all in the same bunch mm -hmm. because when That's they flew down, mm -hmm. they came right to us, never stopped. So it was just a little bit after seven. Sounds we like had a double. That sounds like the toughest group to call, if you ask me. Yeah, and I don't understand why they came right to us. We did have two. We had a decoy out, a, a Jake and a hen. But he was hanging out with the Jake. That, so why? But they, he fanned and strutted a little bit, but never stopped walking. Hmm. He kept crossed the whole field through the woods and through a field, just a quick walk and came directly to us. And Clinton got the got the time, right? Yeah, yeah, because we had planned that way. I mean, he usually lets me shoot the the tom mm -hmm. but i said you your turn you take the tom. anyway and the jake was with it and i said, well the jake probably hung out didn't he yeah oh yeah yeah he didn't so it was just boom boom yeah 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 no that, that's a <clears throat> tough group to call though because you said three hens a jake and a tom mm -hmm. no that's tough because you got more hens than you got male birds so it's like well it's going to be hard to call them in whenever i got went yeah. well they've already got plenty of i don't know. i really don't understand it. we did a very minimal calling yeah just so, to let them know we were there and then more or less well, stay less quiet. Is more on and turkey that, calling. It yeah. even seems like the Jake decoy probably wouldn't help much if he's hanging out with a Jake, you That's, know. Mm -hmm. So it's a, I mean, I'm glad that he had that in his mind that morning for you. But it's it's because when I see a group like that, I'm like, gosh, that's going to be a tough group. Maybe circle yeah. back to them at 10 this morning or something. Mm -hmm. And then Clinton went back with my daughter Sarah on uh, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And they heard one in distance behind them down in the woods and then nothing. But within 15 minutes they just looked over and there was a tom standing there came that. in quiet yeah never came in from behind him you know so. you love it when they gobble but i'll take one coming in quiet, quiet too yeah mm -hmm. that's why it pays that you really gotta be still if you're not in a blind i mean you you really have to be still yeah. you can't be moving around looking around getting up doing oh, yeah. anything You'd be busted. <coughs> they both were nice bust you. nice toms over yeah they were in the low 20s they weren't giant but they were nice Dumb. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting somewhere calling, had a gobbler answering me, just gobbling, 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 and then never come. Now, 45 minutes or an hour goes by, and I'm sitting there, and nothing's happened. And I, you know, the gobbler's not gobbling, and I start getting impatient, and I think, well, I'm going to go. There was another gobbler 600 yards that way this morning, I heard. I'll go, I'll go find him. Right. And then I get 300 yards away and look back, and that gobbler's strutting around right where I was just. <laughs> you know, it, it happens all the time where they come in. Quiet. Yeah, they just come in. You have no idea. So, you. <laughs> I yeah. can still picture that one perfectly in my mind where I literally walked to the far end of the field and I sat there for a second and I was thinking about which way I was going to go and I looked back and, I mean, he was 30 yards from where my butt had been, you know, 20 minutes before if I had just stayed there. Yeah. Been, but it always doesn't work out that way. So Right. Mm -hmm. The turkey I got this year <clears throat> was, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly, it was a Sunday, second Sunday of season, but I have got a call from my buddy Brandon and we decided to go turkey hunting together, and mm -hmm. we met up at a parking lot, jumped in the truck with him, five-minute drive down the road, got out of the truck, and we were walking in, and we were cutting through some woods heading towards the field edge. We saw movement about 100 yards up through the woods on the edge of the field edge, and we pulled up our binoculars, and there was a couple deer, and then as we were looking at them, noticed three strutters right next to them on the side of the field. 
So we crawled over through some stinging nettle up to a hackberry Ooh. that had fallen over. And, of course, we both sat there and talked about how bad our, our wrist itched for oh. a few minutes. And then he did just a couple of yelps. And I couldn't see the turkeys, but he said they're coming right to us. And then finally I could see their heads coming through the nettle and the tall grass, which mm-hmm. was about neck height. Wow. So we couldn't see if they were Jake's or Tom's or what they were, but I knew we had heard a Jake gobble. So I knew at least one of them was a Jake. <clears throat> well, they get in there and they're probably 40 yards from us and it's time to make a choice. And, and I, I asked Brandon, are you going to take one? He said, I can't tell if they're Jake's or Tom's. And I said, well, I don't care. If, so I shot. <laughs> I dusted that, well, that du- makes it easy. Dusted that okay. front bird. And yeah. uh, sure enough, he, he hit the ground and the other Jake's hung out for, I mean, they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. We were sitting there talking full volume and these Jake's were still in front of us. And at that point he had his binoculars up. He could see they were Jake's. And I was trying so hard to talk him into taking one of them. I said, shoot it, do it. And he told me, I can't, I haven't shot a Jake in years. And so essentially we ended up scaring those birds off and went over there and got it. <clears throat> he took me back to my truck because it all happened so quick. I could go home and start processing and he had a better chance of success if he was out there by himself. I couldn't sure. kill another bird. So right. he uh, dropped me off at my truck and then not halfway home, I get a, a text from him and he's got a Jake. <laughs> so he went back out there and shot a Jake himself. But he uh, he was sitting in a, against a telephone pole in the middle of a field with just his reaping decoy set up right in front of him. So he had no cover or anything. He just saw three three birds out 600 yards away, did a couple calls, and he said these three Jakes ran ran 600 yards. And then he had them at eight yards, and he said he just couldn't pass couldn't that up. Couldn't pass that up. Yeah, he said Jake at eight yards and you no know, no cover, had to bust them. So I was thinking, well, you could have, you know, we could have doubled if you would have just mm-hmm. pulled the trigger an hour earlier, but he had a good hunt. So, and I was, I was ready to take a Jake because I, I didn't take a turkey last year right. and I wanted some turkey meat. So mm-hmm. they're tender. Mm-hmm. It was a good. Bit younger bird. Well, yeah. I did, I did, uh, you know, Gabe Jenkins brought some, uh, something he had made. Uh, using one of his uh, kids' birds from youth turkey season. Mm-hmm. He brought, and it was a dip. So he had made some kind of a, a dip. I can't remember exactly how he did it, but you took a Ritz cracker and you dipped it in it, and there was leg meat from a turkey in there, and it was delicious. Delicious. So I, I had it in my head, I'm going to try that this mm-hmm. year. And so I just wanted turkey legs. I didn't care if it was Jake or Gobbler. Mm-hmm. But then Chad also, with the bird he took for the show, he did a different turkey leg recipe in the crock pot and made kind of like a, he said his tasted like a burgoo or something like that. Mm. But uh, really? he, he raved about how good it was. So I decided I was going to try the turkey leg recipe this year. And I took one of those and cooked it up the next day. And it was good, but it could have used more spice. Mm. I will say mine was a little bland. Did you make the dip? I tried to make, I need to, to get with Gabe and get his dip recipe. There was a lot. Was it like a pate or something? So, I mean, how? Yeah. Yeah, or, or just like turkey salad. No, it was it was like a pate. It was yeah. it was creamy. Creamy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so it, it was. It almost reminded me of like a. I can't. I, I'll have to. I'm not describing it well. It's hard. I'm not like, super culinary. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily. Well, know I'm certainly it. not. Yeah, but. but it was great. The one Chad had was just basically in the crock pot: cream of mushroom, cream of chicken. Like put the mm. drumsticks in there. I mean, <clears> the whole deep? leg. I put the just, leg in there whole. Okay. With just cream of mushroom, cream of chicken, and chicken stock. And I let that go eight hours. And when I reached in there to pick it out, I just pulled out the bones. All the meat was oh, left in. Oh, wow. Mm. So I went through it. There's a lot of little cartilage and stuff in a turkey leg. Yes, there is. So I put it on a cutting board and made sure I just had meat. Put it all back in the crock pot in the, in the you know, what was in there. And then I added potatoes and cut peppers and cut onions and uh, diced garlic and a few things like that. But what I should have done is done something to add heat because... 
the potatoes, the, everything was great, but the turkey was just a little bland. Perfectly cooked, perfectly tender, like something I would try again, but it could have used some more heat. And I, I don't know oh, okay. someone who likes heat, so it could have used something more spice-wise. So next time I do it, I still got one leg left, and I still have, what, four days of season little paprika left. will bring some good flavor. <clears throat> I got to find something. There, Kristen, you know, she... <clears throat> Red got, pepper flakes too are great. Yeah, I love. She she's not a huge spice person. I probably need to find a way to spice it up that she would like it too. But that's the, that's why I like red pepper flake. It gives it a spice, but it doesn't like burn your eyeballs out because I have to watch spicy food. Well, but. that's what I do. Like if I make pasta or mm-hmm. spaghetti or anything like that, I'll you know do my sauce and I'll put sauce on hers and then I'll put the saucepan back on the stove and add all the heat. You know, mm-hmm. cayenne and red and everything mm-hmm. you can, and then I'll mix it back up and put it on mine. So. If I could do something like that, it'd be perfect. But she, you know, she like a lot of people just does not like the heat. I want my face sweating when I eat. <laughs> you know, I, well, I need to bring you the jar of mine that we made. We made some more last year. I grew uh, cayennes, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites, but also some uh, habaneros. Oh yeah, and uh, you got to watch those. Those mm-hmm. are really hot. The and we make a onion tomato. It's just a relish. Mm-hmm. It's but it's a, a little sweet. But it's very hot. Very hot. I it, like it'll that. make you sweat and blow your nose a lot. Kind of like chow chow? <laughs> yeah. A little bit bored. Oh, it's hotter than that. I've had some chow chow. If I hot. think of it, I'll bring you a jar. Try. We canned up several times. My granddad was a chow chow on a cracker eating fool. Like you you guys go to Thai Smile here. That sauce they have, mm-hmm. the hot sauce. Mm-hmm. I mean, I smother my stuff. I love that. Oh. And that's a different, that's like red pepper type heat. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different flavor. But yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, I, when I leave Thai, if, I, if I'm not. You get five star, don't you, Rick? Not anymore. I've cut back a little bit. I, three. But I like some heat in months. Yeah. I think the first time I went to Ty's, I got two star because I wasn't sure how it was going to be. And then ever since I went back, it's been five because two just went. But I go up there, you know. That's 200 stars, the record, they say. They got a picture of the guy next to the register <laughs> where you check out, and he's holding a little certificate that – says 200 star tie smile record i'd have to have a, a <laughs> towel on my head oh and my a God. box of kleenexes yeah. sitting next to me but i was one of the first no. times i went there there was this dude and he he was bald and he was taking napkins and wiping the sweat off his head yeah i said man what's that he goes oh i got the drag noodle bow he said but i got 10 star he goes oh it's great but he was sweating bad yeah and i said note to but, self no ten star. <laughs> so how do you how do you cook a turkey, Rick? If you were gonna if you had a turkey, you just got one, boom, you're Jake the other day. What would you do with it? Well, I I usually don't. I've tried a couple times and didn't have any success with the drumsticks. Yeah. but I might try that again now that you mentioned that. A pressure cooker or a slow cooker? Is, yeah, has that got, sounds like the way to go because the meat has to fall off the bones because there's so many little bones in there. Yeah. So you need to be able to pick it pick it apart like that. Yeah. But I've heard great things about a pressure cooker, but I don't have one. I want to yeah. try it. So my son-in-law really we usually have some at Thanksgiving. Have a regular turkey, mm-hmm. then we have some wild turkey. Loves it pan fried, little mm. strips. A lot of people so, love it that way. A wife does. Well, it's ju- real good that way. I admit. Fixes that for him. Oh yeah, for usually. Steven. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. then everybody, just like an hors d'oeuvre, everybody tries little pieces. That's good. I, yeah. You know, and you can of course just do the, the turkey breast, like chicken breast, cut them up in strips, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what you're saying you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pan fried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've still got both breasts left of mine, so <clears throat> I'm looking for ideas. Have you ever smoked one? 
My brother smoked no. one. It turned out pretty good. But it, you got to watch it. Because like it's so dry. lean, it's real easy to make it dry. That's yeah. why I don't smoke wild game much is just because of how lean it is. Yeah. I've tried. I mean, I'll do a, like a venison, a little bit of venison. But I've tried to smoke. One day I thought I was going to be real creative and I was going to smoke a whole front shoulder off a deer. And there's just not enough fat, you know. Right. <clears throat> Anything that size, you're going to dry everything out on the outside before you even get the inside cooked. So right. It's it's tough to get smoke wild game. But if your buddy did it, maybe if you... Well, my brother, he's done it. But he he did it on his pellet smoker, too. Yeah. And he kept it a couple of hours. It turned out good. I would I would be all for recipes if somebody's listening and they want to shoot us theirs. On a, we smoked some deer on our, my bachelor party. We kept it in there all night. And God, it was ruined. Jerky. <laughs> it was barbecue jerky. We were starving, so we ate it. And I was like... Man, I think I cooked this a little long. My buddy changed it. I was like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, well. Well, it happens. <laughs> so there were a few opportunities coming up I wanted to talk about. One, well, the elk draw is something I'm excited mm-hmm. about. If you didn't apply, now that is close now, right? Yes. So if you didn't apply for the elk draw, you're late at this point. Because <clears throat> it should have been the last day of April. April 30th, 30th. at midnight is when it closed. So, But the elk draw which if you did put in for you should be interested in it's coming up on may 13th mm-hmm. which isn't at this, the kentucky gun company it's in bargetown because mm-hmm. they have two locations now i got one in louisville but it's a kentucky gun company in bargetown and they're doing i mean it's never been in bargetown before and i think the event's going to be big this year they've got a bunch of giveaways a bunch of stuff they're doing uh, giving away or doing a raffle for an elk tag there and i'm, I'm just hoping to see my name you called, know, you know. Did, did he start that at the old Keens Depot down no by Boone's Butcher Shop. Have you ever been to Boone's Butcher Shop? I would have no idea. I'm not the right guy to ask about that. Yeah, I think that's where, because Keens Depot was one of the few places in Bardstown. Cause I grew up there. Mm-hmm. That's where you went to get bobbers, hooks, mm-hmm. 22 shells, shotgun shells, decoys. That They were they were the place. They had killer country ham sandwich. And then two down was Boone's Butcher Shop, which is pretty well-known regionally. So, the, <clears throat> I see, I, I have no idea about that. All I know is Elk Girl is <clears throat> taking place at Kentucky Gun Company in Bargetown on <clears throat> right. May 13th. That's right. But other opportunities that are coming up, and I want to know which, what you guys are going to be doing. So, the white bass are still hitting. Are they um, really? On certain bodies of water. Uh, I think Nolan might kind of be finished up. Well, yeah. I heard a little intel that Upper Green River had bunches of white bass. I'm sure it probably And does. just a few people fishing for them. You know, it's cyclical. It didn't do well, but now it looks like they're they're come back. I've heard yeah. good things about the licking, too, but salt, I think, still has the opportunity to catch some white bass. Um, so that there's still an opportunity for that. There's still a few days left of turkey season. That's right. Farm pond bass. Lee, i got to get you out to the well, pond. Yeah, we need to do a... We need to do a field. We haven't done a field show in a while. I went out and smoked them the other day. Oh, did you? Biggins. Biggins? Oh, yeah. So wow. we, we should well, do that. Well, we got to go. Are they, are, they, are they on the nest? I thought they... Um, last year, I it think was, strange smallmouth still are. Last year, it was... Well, yeah. So, you know, I always use my photos in my phone kind of as a reference because um, they have dates and locations. So I can scroll back and say, okay, May, May 3rd last year, what around there? And uh, I think it was about May 12th of two years ago we were catching smallmouth on the nest in elkhorn so i think that that's probably happening now or you know if things well, are anywhere mike near. harden went out and he said he saw nesting behavior here. yeah you can you can see when they're just swimming around that spot mm-hmm. and they won't really leave they won't, it and they won't bite <laughs> but uh you know so there's an opportunity i didn't catch any largemouth in the farm ponds off the bed but they were they were feeding i will say that so i don't know if that was post did you, catch, did you catch any males with like 
bloody edges on the caudal fin, their tail fin? Uh, I would have to go back and look. Like I didn't. That. I didn't notice any blood on the fins, and I would assume these were females just because of the size. Um, but that's coming up. We, and I do want to get maybe the next podcast. Leave me, and you can just go see if we can smack some big oh, orgies. That would be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you would make me do yeah, that. Yeah, that would be painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we got frog gigging season coming in on the 19th. That's the only time Dad would let me stay out late. But I had to bring frogs home. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing. <laughs> Not sneak off to the girlfriends. <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing on the 19th is that this is a new moon. I'm looking at the Kentucky Field calendar right here. And the new moon in May means that wife spawn. Oh, oh, God, I haven't done that in a while, and I've got a rod set up for it. Yeah, so, be th- you know, same time frog gigging comes in, it might be a time I to go. I think it's, for me, it's easier to throw a spinning rod at night. Yeah. When, when you're throwing those big, you know, like my jointed thunder stick and stuff like that. When you're throwing a baitcaster, for, for a pro at it, probably no issue, but I, I only throw a baitcaster situationally. Me too. And I like to, like, visually knowing where my lure is when it's going to hit the water helps mm-hmm. a little bit i can I sling it out there and get a little extra distance if i can stop my spool you can see yeah. because you know? if you don't oh <laughs> i yeah. have missed so those are coming up and the, the l-wife spawn basically would be fishing banks on lake cumberland at night if you're looking for walleye or smallmouth or largemouth mm-hmm. or stripers or any of those predatory fish they just come up there and gorge on those l-wives and you can mm-hmm. catch some fat walleye doing that yeah, yeah. i want to go do it it's just you know it's a holster and i know it's a hole rick you have a boat don't you Oh, darn. <laughs> I've got a, I, I've got a 10-foot John boat. How about that? Yeah, we can take it across the damn wall. <laughs> did, did Clinton sell his boat? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. 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 But those, so those opportunities. So Cumberland is pretty hard to pass up, but I mean, it sounds like you guys have interest in that one. Oh, that's, that is fun when it's on just whoosh. Yeah. And then those walleye, you got to, anytime they hit, even if it's a striper, you got to wait, a, count to at least 3,000 before you've set the hook. And these, basically the way this goes because we're just talking about an opportunity, the, the way it works. And Rick, you were in fishery, so yeah. But you, these, you fished it with Benji, and Benji's the kind of the Mac Daddy. I, of that whole we fishery. used to fish before the Elwise were an issue. Oh, really? As, as well, and you could catch them in the day, day and time the a lot easier when the Elwives weren't an issue. So the Elwives are basically like a shad species that live pretty deep in the lake, and there's a, a bunch. That's of them. what changed everything when they got introduced. Yeah. Somebody brought them there and well, for bait and, and stuff. And Next they thing were, you know, they were introduced in neighboring states as forage, you know. Yeah, and then they got and into they the lake, in, and yeah. that's yeah. When it was just the shad, often the shad would be shallower and come up, mm-hmm. and then they come up. You could catch by casting like in the mornings and evenings along mm-hmm. the, but that's hard to do now. Yeah, because yeah, the elwives are there and they stay deep. They, so yes. the yeah. fish stay they only deep. come it up. Changed when it's dark. The fi- yeah. It changed the fishing. But when they come up, they spawn against the the bank so they're spawning on the you know shallow and against the bank on these bluff walls and they want darker banks so mm, banks right. that don't have a moon right mm-hmm. shining mm. shining on them and uh, so that new moon on the 19th would be the darkest it would be so that would probably be when the wives would be spawning and you go up there and you're basically running a thunder stick or something like that something that is a floating bait that you can run just a couple of inches or a foot under the surface mm-hmm. It has some flash to it. I love the jointed thunder stick. Jointed thunder stick or the red fan shad. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've done the red fan a bunch. Yeah, I seem like I've catch more. I've done better on the thunder stick than the red fan. But you go up there and you run those along those bluff walls, and then you'll hear just. Uh, it sounds like people throwing bowling balls in the water. Oh God, it's great! It's like a blow up, and you don't know if that was your lure, or if that was you know just a blow up. So then you feel the tension on the line, right? And then you set the hook. Mm-hmm. Then you don't know if you've got a one pound Kentucky bass or a. 
you know, a 30 pound striper or a 10 pound walleye walleye or something. I probably almost call it a nine pounder. I think I prefer the walleye. I I think I was just sitting here thinking that at a point in time I would have taken the striper, but now I'm kind of thinking that walleye sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. Delicioso. I like striper too, but I mean, something about walleye tastes better. I mean, I like striper, but walleyes. Well, it's a pretty much superior in most people's palate mm-hmm. would be a walleye to yeah. a striper. Well, even the way the fillets come off, walleye, sauger, and sauger, the way they fillet yes. is just, it's almost like it's... It's like they were made to fillet. <laughs> yeah. You just take... <laughs> design. Yeah. Yeah, you take the knife, you make that first cut, then you run along the spine, and you've got all the meat off in one beautiful cut, mm-hmm. and the yeah. skin just comes off just as easy, right. and it's... you're left with exactly what you need. Yeah. So... And I, it's man, delicious. Right. Now, I'm kind of bummed I missed the uh, sauger opportunity this year. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was there on the right day. Before I even well, said the, that, I knew Lee was going to yeah. the, Well, the key, the key was it was raining like, I mean, it wasn't cats and dogs raining, but it was a good, And there was a slight rain. rise going. And it made water, it come up a little slight, bit. slight, and I think they just turned on. I just, I'm going to, when I target them in the future, I'm going to look to fish on a rainy day. I saw a guy, uh, um, Jonathan Hurst, I believe is his name. He's a younger guy. He's got to be like 17 or 18 years old, but not a week or two after you caught those, he he was having good luck with them trolling out on, uh, I think, Mud Flats, <laughs> the wow. upper part of the lake. So it told me they'd probably move back out. Yeah. And, uh, and this this kid is, uh, like I said, probably 17 years old. We met him at the State Fair last year, and I think he said he was 16, but he is out there fishing in his kayak and putting in miles, you know, with his pedal drive. I, it's pretty impressive, the stuff he catches. But going out there, trolling and catching saw guy in the middle of the <laughs> That's day, pretty cool. I know. I would love to do he's that. He's trolling in his kayak? In his yeah. Yeah, pedal drive kayak. So yeah. he's actually pedaling and yep. pulling the bait behind yeah. him and catching yeah. him? Yeah. That's impressive. Yours is pedal drive, isn't it? It is, but my pedal drive's busted right now. So, it's uh, I don't, I haven't, I don't use my pedal drive on my kayak, even though it's big and heavy, and because I'm, it is, it is a big kayak. I mostly fish streams, and that's how I broke it. Is you know hitting rocks and stuff Mm -hmm. in streams. So, I just go with the flow and paddle when I need to. And uh, but you know, I have taken my my kayak out on Cave Run, um, Taylorsville, Gast, and. Cave Run, you really want the pedal drive because that's a big lake, mm-hmm. and uh, you're looking for musky, so you kind of want to be able to search. You know, on Gaster Taylorsville, I can pretty much stick to one bank and bass fish or something like that. But on Cave Run musky, that pedal drive is important. Yeah, because I mean, you can fish all day in an area and not see much. You might want to go around a bend, which might be a, a mile. You know, mm-hmm. some of those paddles we've done out there have been three miles um, from a boat ramp to where I want to fish, and I'll get out there at I don't know, probably hitting the boat ramp at about 5 a.m. and trying to, you know, I don't want to cross a lake in the dark, so I'm trying to, you know, situate it to where mm-hmm. I'm crossing that lake as soon as I feel safe so I can get to my spot as soon as I want. And a three-mile pedal is, on that lake is more than, than mm-hmm. probably more than I want. <laughs> you ready for a nap by the time you get there. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it, it's the thought of uh, catching a muskie, you know, on the sure. out of a kayak on the lake because – it's cool to catch them on the rivers. I love it. But something about being on that still water would be really cool. That I also think it'd be a huge challenge mm-hmm. because the only way I've ever, well, there was one I landed in my kayak, but in a, in a river, I can always count on being able to get out of my kayak yeah. and basically fight yeah. like a wade fisherman. In a lake, that's not an option. So you're, you're having to land that muskie in a kayak. Right. I think it'd be tough because I don't have a net. So, uh, yeah, that would be a challenge. Yeah. I, would mm-hmm. think. I yeah. keep a pair of gloves, like a almost like motorcycle gloves, kind of protective 
um, handy as well as a knife and a few other things. Mm -hmm. And so that way I'm not, I'm still not wanting to put my hand in a muskie's mouth with those gloves, but it gives me the ability to have a little more grit, you know, if I need to grab a gill plate or mm -hmm. a tail. So I never have had to use them aside from, you know, other things on the river, but I, I try to prepare, think maybe I could do it, but mm -hmm. it'd probably be heartbreak. <laughs> it'd probably be heartbreak. Well, if it's, I ever it's hard to fight a fish in a kayak anyway, if you're not, you know, if the wind blows and it pulls you around. I lost a good one in, on camera with Jameson filming me on Green River. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going down and the wind got me and, you know, I couldn't paddle because I was fighting the fish and then here I am fighting it backwards and yeah. <laughs> trying to, you know, it's, it was kind of a mess. Well, plus and the fish tail walked and spit me. Plus you're lower anyway when you're mm -hmm. sitting in one of those. Like you lose a little advantage. So I've gotten to where I, I set the hook twice if I feel like it's a decent fish. That's one advantage of my kayak is that I can stand up. Oh, that yeah. that takes that. Yeah. yeah. If you get one that's wide enough and stable enough, you know, it's a it's a bear to haul around. Like, I'm, I don't know if uh, it'd be tough for most people to put it on top of their car, you know, and, and things like that. And it, it is heavy, and a, but it is nice to be able to stand up and yeah, float. Yeah, so you have a true fishing kayak uh, designed mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, it's so a, it's a big boat. But that's, what, that's what's so beautiful about it on the green and stuff is that I can stand up going through those riffles, and they're only a foot deep, and the water's crystal clear, and mm -hmm. I'm looking straight down at them. It's almost, it would be enjoyable enough just to float through there and, you know, take in the scenery for me to go do it, even if I wasn't fishing. So. Does it have a brace or something that sticks up that you lean on or can hold or you're just standing? There? Some, some kayaks do. You can buy I've those. I've seen that where there was something sticking up that some you could kind of brace yourself on. Well, my, my seat's elevated, of course, you know, it sits up off the kayak. And okay. It, it's like, you know, as tall as a small chair would be. So okay. basically, when I stand up in my kayak, I put my calves against the seat. To so, brace yourself. So I've kind of got a lecture support. And then I also know that if something does happen, like I hit a rock, which happens, I know if I just sit down, my seat's right Immediately behind. drop by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, I, I never have accidentally gone out of it. So and, mm -hmm. and I've only flipped it once. And that was a real bear. I mean, I'm lucky I didn't break my collarbone that day. You know, it was fish in the ocean. And mm. uh, oh. Coming back in the surf, you know, you got that point where the waves break on to the shore as you're coming in. And as long as you're out far enough to not have that wave breaking, you're good because you'll just ride right over the top of it. But if, and if the waves are already broken, you're good. But if you are sitting right on that wave break, when it starts to go over the top, it'll take you and it'll just turn you right upside down. And so one day, very first time I ever fished the ocean. I thought, you know, I've body boarded and I've boogie boarded and mm -hmm. I've gone surfing before. So just gonna I ride the wave. I was going to ride the wave in, <laughs> in my kayak. And that thing took me and it, it spun me over upside down. And that whole kayak landed on top of me and my shoulder went into the sand. And I, it was one of those times where you, you stand up afterwards and you take a second to think. Did yeah, I break anything? Everything, everything seems okay. You know? <laughs> so wow, after, lucky, though. after that, I learned to jump out of the kayak and let and hold me behind it so i'm holding on to the back of my kayak as the wave is taking it in so that way it's stabilized straight mm -hmm. forward oh. and backwards you know with my weight but still a little risky but fun <laughs> i love it you wonder why my kayaks rick broken. you're gonna be doing that next week right <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna be doing next week rick if you had to go do something what would it be well if you had to like somebody's gonna force them well this is the time of year when I like to fish ponds, ponds. This, this time of year. Supposed to go this evening with Clinton's got a invite to a pond. We're gonna go check it out. Oh, really? Heck yeah. The Mount Eden area. Nice. So that's where I grew up fishing ponds for bass. I love, I, it's I, was fun. I love ponds. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Are you catching a nice day out there where the 
you know, a day like today, mm-hmm. 72 and sunny, and mm-hmm. it's just enjoyable to be out, and you get a bite every now and then. I, yeah. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. I do want to uh, – you're you're a pond guy. This may be something to talk to you about off the podcast, but the pond that I was just talking about, I've been telling Lee forever we're going to go fish. It had The dam had a pipe in it that came through, right, and that was the drain pipe. And at some point that broke about halfway through is a pipe that probably stuck six feet through the dam and then the water came in. Right. And at some point that broke. So okay. now the pond is a foot and a half lower. Okay. Where that pipe came through. And I've been thinking, man, one of these days after the fish are spawned out, dead of the summer when it's hot, I need to find a way to fix that and get this pond back to the level it's supposed to be. Because I'm worried one of these summers it's just going to get too hot or something like that. It's a shallow pond. So at some point, I'm going to have to figure out how yeah. to repair that. I've got a friend who has that problem now, uh, Norm Minch. He's oh, Norm, yeah. Norm's got good pond His pipe though. is washed out yeah. around it, and it's corroded in there. And anyway, it's, well, it, it all washes <laughs> out, so it's not holding the water that yeah. it did. But he's, it can be expensive to do something that would really hold. Yeah, it's according to your watershed how much water you have coming in to feed that. It's not much water, so if mm. it's not much, it's not as bad. Yeah, well, the pipe's but, still good; it's just broken. So I was wondering if there's a way I could, you know, could with, you put a smaller pipe like the next one down? Well, how much and, soil is on top of it? Plenty. See, that's hard to well, get in there. And really I don't really want to remove the pipe. I think I just want to attach something to the end of it that's watertight and gets it the length or the oh, you know curves it up. I was thinking about rubber fittings or what i could do with a silicone to seal it off and basically extend that pipe out to where it needed to be or put an upturn on it so it just came up from that point like, mm. a, like so it's not washing around the pipe mm-mm. oh just okay. the pipe itself you mean it is like down here like this yep oh half, so the pipe still comes out of the dam about two feet and then it's broken well if you cut that off you could put a, a you or bring it straight yeah. or up so that's what maybe turn it up like a u Mm-hmm. That's the, I or I mean that, a L kind of, you know, yeah. elbow. And then you can mm-hmm. put something on top of that, like a grate to keep. <clears> yeah, yeah I've, seen, I've seen that. You have to have something that like won't clog up with debris and, and then go over the dam. So have an emergency spillway at the one end or the other. Yeah, it has a low corner. spot there that would probably. It's probably like emergency spillway. Hmm. Something to think about. But that's that's one of my projects for the summer is to try yeah. to get that pond back up. Because it's been, I mean, the fish are doing great and at a low water level. And they're, you know, but I think they'd probably be doing better a little more. Mm-hmm. Give them a little extra cushion there. Yeah. <clears throat> so, pond fishing. Lee, what would you do? Unless I get a hot crappie um, report. I, I would crop. love to go float another. It's my, my favorite time of year. That's it's, what I was saying earlier with the blue water trails. Yeah, it's, yeah. I love to stream fish. So. When are we going to wet leg? Um, the Elkhorn. Isn't that coming up? Yes. I think you could be wet legging right now if you wanted to. Yeah, I, I think waiter time's over, even though I just ordered some new waiters. Yeah, we did wet leg the other day. <laughs> we wet legged a creek the other day, and it was it was fun. Um, the water was oddly clear. I don't know if that has anything to do with the season or what's been going on, but uh, I've it's heard been that too. Periods of really dry weather mm-hmm. we've had. I don't, I don't know if people really noticed it. Like at morel time, mm-hmm. when I generally find mushrooms. Did you find it? It was. I found two that looked like they were frozen. Mm-hmm. We had those really cold ones, but the ground was at peak time was bone dry. Mm-hmm. Then it rained some, but I don't know if it was enough. Then it got real cold. So some people might have found a lot, but we did. I didn't. This year was our best year. Oh, really? But Where it, at? Um, Jeff- I mean, how south of here, right here? Jefferson In, County Jefferson for the County. most part. Okay. But when I say our best year, it probably doesn't compare to most people's best years. Because, I mean, we probably found – there was one day we went out and we came home with 40, and we left a few. Well, a lot of them were smaller. Um, 
<clears throat> but what I was going to say is that we um, were out morel hunting on public land not too long ago, like two weeks ago probably, mm-hmm. and we found two or three. We ran into this lady who was also out morel hunting, and she found the biggest morel I've ever seen. Oh, she had a really big one? Two yeah. days ago. Hmm. Two days ago she found it. Two wow. days ago. So, yeah, she... Uh, <clears throat> maybe I need to... Maybe they're just going to be late. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It could be situational. And we were looking on uh, mostly elms. The one she found, she said, was on a sycamore. But I know she was in the exact same spot that we were. It was this one here. Wow. You see her hand down there? It's yeah. got to be a 16-inch tall mile. Yeah, that's the biggest one I think I've ever wow. seen around here. Yeah. That's a monster. So maybe they're still coming up late, you know? Because uh, we've had a little bit cooler weather. I know that it's so dependent on... Soil temperature. Yeah, it's moisture and soil temperature are big. Yeah. So I, I, I just haven't found that many. It hadn't really looked real hard, but I did take enough. There were a few that we got this year that were a little old to eat and had some bugs in them and stuff. Yeah. And so I tried it. I don't know if it's going to work, but <clears throat> we have two ash trees in our yard that are still alive, but start you know have some branches and stuff there. So so partially dying ash trees. Right. So I took those morels out there and I put them at the base of it and cover them up with a few ash dead sticks and yeah. stuff just to protect them and hold them there. So I'm going to see if maybe in the future the will morels they, grow. What will they take? The spores. Well, the spores, it's possible. It's, it's, it's possible. They yeah. got it. Some mushrooms you can very quickly, um, you know, if you take mushrooms out there, you can very quickly get them to reproduce, but those are to form mycelium into fruit. Yeah. But the morels, I feel like, probably take more time. That takes more time from what I know of them. Is that- <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to get them right away. Yeah. But down the road, it could. Could. By then, you'll be living on a farm somewhere. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Those ash trees will be long dead by then, probably. <laughs> well, they've got a... I, I still have that question myself, as everybody knows in this, in Kentucky, the, in other states, too, the ash trees are mm-hmm. pretty much all gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, There's a few well, good living ones. And there's yeah. There's blue a, I've ash got a couple like of them. Well, the aren't? blue ash is, is, seems to be resistant. Yeah. But white ash, which was They've the most common them. ash, yeah. was wiped out. But there, every, I've got a couple on my farm that look unscathed. That they, you know, they're medium size. Hmm. So, but you wonder if there, when there's not much uh, to eat, the emerald ash borer, is it going to come back as soon as the ash trees start coming back, mm-hmm. or is, oh, but tell. dies out and yeah. goes away. I tell you what, the ash tree's been on my mind this year because of how much wind we've had. I know. It's been the windiest oh, the, the, year. The dead ones have been falling. They're dangerous. Yeah. Widowmakers everywhere. Well, it's like we're fine. I don't see how, because they, they, they've been dead for a while now, most of them from the mm-hmm. Emerald Ash Borer. I mean, yeah, but they can stand a long time. Yeah, and I'm just amazed this wind, though, because we've had a couple of days of 70 miles. I know. Yeah, it's. But Frankfurt set a record, I think, in that early March windstorm. We, we lost power for a yeah. weekend. Yeah. I've had some big dead ash fall on the farm during this last few weeks back in 2007 2008 for some reason ash trees were my favorite trees to build wooden stands in now, all my best stands were in ash trees and well that was a wouldn't do that now it turned out to be a bad call but how would he <laughs> how would you know that yeah, yeah. so i mean uh, there's there, i haven't looked in the past month or so but up until last year those wooden stands were still in those dead trees and they just look and the thing that's crazy about them is you know how when um you go out to a piece of property or on somewhere and you see an old stand up in a tree and you mm-hmm. say, oh, that's from, that's got to be 50 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, mine looked exactly like that. 
from the you know 2007 2008 the kind that you're like i better not get in that no <laughs> might have a rotten floor it just looked i could see somebody who doesn't know the backstory and doesn't know me coming through and be like man that must be from yeah. 1920s <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no I, I built that you know 15 years ago but it just they look exactly like that in those big dead ash trees you know it looks like yeah. something that's been there forever yeah and we of course used untreated two by fours and so it's not the best. They've probably thing. been gnawed on a lot by squirrels. Squirrels or raccoons or anything. Yeah, they gnaw on them pretty bad. Those those stands uh, produced for me into, until 2016, and that's the year I finally hung it up. Hung it up. Didn't didn't hunt those stands anymore. Too dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know, and they were. I was probably hunting them a year past when I should have, but I had huh. like indicator trees around me you know my my ash tree still had some leaves on it and there was a completely dead one next to me i said when that tree goes i'm calling it quits on mm-hmm. this one but i just ended up one day deciding that that wasn't the best bet so yeah. and things change on the landscape you know they, sure. they bush hog a, a certain area they didn't used to bush hog movements change and you got to change your plan anyway so sure yeah yeah as far as opportunity goes lee will be wet legging mm-hmm or kayaking streams. I'll be kayaking. Rick here wants to go catch some farm pond bass, but only if the uh, crappie report isn't on. Well, and hopefully maybe some wet legging eventually. Yeah. Yes. But I'll, also, I'll be ready, Rick. Once the spawn gets up, we'll go. Not just bass, though. I like to catch a bluegill to eat bluegill. in the pond. You love bluegill fishing. I have. I like a fly rod popper. Yeah. That's the yeah. uh, no, it's great. Sponge like, spider, a little popper. Out of all, like I haven't done a ton of fly fishing, but the fly fishing I've done, that's been the most enjoyable. Is just taking a fly rod out to a farm pond with a popper and popping it along the surface and catching bluegill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and sometimes occasional bass. Yeah, well, yeah, they'll they'll hit it too. But yeah. I would I would have to say that my what I'm looking forward to is probably floating wet legging too. Yeah. yeah, really, really floating. Huh? And just those kayak trips this time of year are so enjoyable. And oh, I think this is the time to catch a big stream smaller. Me too. You think this is the time of year? Yes. I love May. So I've been seeing some guys smoke them for a couple of a couple of the fly guys, especially uh, this guy named David Williams and Raider Croswell. And they, they've been out there hammering 20 inches on the fly rod for Where at? a month now. I don't know. All over the place. Probably green, probably salt, probably yeah, Floyd's fork. Around. Yeah. yeah. These guys take it serious and, you know, they go every we day. Caught, we were we did trout piece on floyd's fort we got some decent smallmouths too i actually caught a couple of nice ones. on floyd's yeah i caught a, some nice rainbows the thing about floyd's fork is i think there are big smallmouth there I you too. know i've caught a few and i think our shocking crews go out there and they shock it and they say there's good fish there but you kind of got to get away from where the access sites are yeah where sure. everybody fishes mm-hmm. but the beautiful thing about it is that you got trails that literally parallel the creek for 50 miles mm-hmm. so if you're willing to walk a quarter mile from the parking lot and look for a nice pool or riffle, then you can probably have some luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a couple of feeder creeks that dump into Floyd's Fork. You could probably look on a map and see them. And a lot of places where those feeder creeks dump in, it seems like you'll get a little bit more of a deep, deep pocket right yep. below them. Cane, yeah. Cane run there. Cane run. I'm thinking like the Strand type area. Yeah. And Tur- where, yeah, turkey, where run. turkey, turkey, uh, turkey run creek comes in. Yeah. There's a couple of spots right through there. So yeah, that, that's my favorite stretch. I would, if I was somebody out there, I'd seriously look at going to the creek and going fishing. Yes. Cause yeah, we will, we will go wading soon, Rick. I'll take the, make sure I've got camera, take good pictures. Heck It'd yeah. be for a future painting. Oh, yeah. Uh, heck Every yeah, time I go fishing, I'm always thinking of uh, future painting future possibilities. Now, right. I've got a cover here. Oh, of course, I don't have it handy. I've got every magazine that's been produced at this one. 
Um, it is uh, the Falls of the Ohio. It's a lower dam. <laughs> yeah. Looking out. You know where that is. Yeah. But. And actually, you got this detail in the water extremely mm-hmm. accurate mm-hmm. with the backflow and kind of how you got the main current coming out. And then you yeah. got this where, because it comes out and then it pulls around and then yeah. it hits it again. Yeah. And you get this little wall of water. It's, actually, it's pretty exciting to look at the, the pictures of it. Now, it's been, a, I've been there in that area when I was in fisheries, but I've never fished right there. So the next time they're hot, and go in there we need to go all right well i'd they, like to get more pictures of myself they got that there. barge out of there so yeah. oh good I isn't would, it generally the did it leak late summer fall when that's really good. that was right october there? the first i like october when october. is that hard to and i, I have presume, perfect light that morning i'm not gonna say exactly how and where but i mean i'm it's easier though this i mean uh, it's easier to get to than the upper because yeah. um, okay. you can run straight up past the lock channel and but you know you got to be safe down there because there's yeah, a lot going on you got to respect the water you know, this water right here suck you up and oh, oh it spit you out never spit you out maybe yeah you know yeah, it might just hold you yeah it's hard to say but the, the totally Ohio River, around it's a whole different type of but we have type of monster perfect light that morning oh yeah i mean we hit it right at daybreak i mean we had that fog it was is that a certain person though no i just tried to make that it's like in but old time fisherman i know that almost that rock fish, bank is where you reeled in several <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a, probably a what would you put that fish at in his hand now this is the uh fall of 21 mm-hmm. issue what would you put that fish's weight at um eight eight i was gonna go more like 16 you think? <laughs> yeah, i was thinking between 12 and 15 you think yeah Somewhere oh it's there. as long as his leg well yeah. i guess yeah that's gotta yeah, be it's a, meant to be a big a really big one well, the biggest one chase caught that day was 10 those 10 pounds 26 inches and 10 and change wasn't yeah. it basically the rule of thumb is 27 inches is when it can be a double digit fish like if somebody says they caught a i caught a 12 pound or 24 inches no you didn't no, no you didn't no. but when they hit when they say it was 27 inches long and they say it was you know 10 11 pounds you can, okay i might believe yeah. that so that, yeah you thought that was 10 and change wasn't it? <clears> yeah was, something like that i've still got all the photos and videos on my phone from that day there's a good one of you <laughs> uh there's uh lee thought i was taking a picture and uh, he had this hybrid he'd caught, and he was standing right where this guy is. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, Lee was standing where this fella is, and I was standing right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lee was holding his his hybrid up, and I pointed my phone over at him, and I, it was a video. He thought it was a photo, so he's holding it up and smiling, and then all of a sudden, I had my rod in my other hand, and it gets hammered. So I got Lee smiling and laughing with his hybrid, and then my, my rod's going crazy, but I had to put the phone back so I could catch my fish. Heck you know? yeah. That's that's exciting when it's on. Oh, yeah. they were on that morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I yeah. do want to do that again soon too. But it's so hard to plan because it's so yeah. dependent on water, you know, mm-hmm. well, and yeah. not just water here, but what happens up north, right? Cincinnati, Pennsylvania, right? So you kind of got to take that as it as it gives it to you. But it should be should be good soon. Get out there, Rick. You you, you have to. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. ball. But it's amazing to me looking at this cover you painted how accurate. It is. I almost feel like the tree line's accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. If well, from I had like I worked from photographs. Of course, that I had to put that person standing there just like that. Y'all had a lot of fish pictures, but mm-hmm. not that pose. Mm-hmm. But I tried to do the atmosphere with the time of day, change that. But the tree line is pretty much. I, I got to where the angle where you couldn't see any buildings or or anything that looks more wild. Whatever I can do. The that. only buildings but that are over there. Really, is, not a lot. It's like one house. Yeah. And that house, I believe, is someone who works for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers because it has yeah. a private boat ramp. Oh, okay. Um, mm. But yeah. the this right here looks, I mean, yeah. perfect. Literally, when I first saw this, it was 
first thing that caught my eye, well, the rock, obviously, mm-hmm. is that yeah. kind of fossilized rock right. that you see mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. But the way the water's coming out across the pad, and then you have this wave here at the end of the right. pad, and that's that's recirculating. So right. when that water comes off there, it's just rolling right. back over itself. And that's why you have to be careful when you cast down there, because if you cast above that line, mm-hmm. your bait won't get out of there. Yeah, right. I don't care if you're throwing two ounces. It's going to stay there right. and tumble and tumble. And then yeah. you can reel it in, and it'll just ride that wave all yeah. the way through. It was a challenge to paint, but fun is the dr- drama that's going on in the water. Yeah. I mean, it's really dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You well, know, water's tossing up. Oh, it's wild. You know, pretty high at times, and the light shines through it when it comes up. Well, it's uh, yeah, that's true. You can see where you. I tried to catch that kind places. of lighter, lighter greens. Yeah, it's where the lights are actually going through some of the water as it mm-hmm. comes up. Yeah, and you got that with the fins on the fish too. Yeah, the light reflecting, kind right. of the same same color. Where mm-hmm. the, it's kind of like golden hour light. Right. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah, it, r- but the thing is, when you look at this, that's exactly how it looks. A lot of people, yeah. Well, a lot of people, I feel like if you told them to paint it, I mean, they would have the water it, and they it, would have it coming off, but it wouldn't be that that accurate. Like the way these waves are coming up and recirculating, then you got this white wash out here, and you can tell that this water is moving this direction, mm-hmm. coming back in and hitting. I think it's just amazingly accurate to me. So that was that right there is one of my favorites that you've done, Rick. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's one of my favorite places to fish, but mm-hmm. also, you know, well, it's a. It, I think it's really, really good. Yeah, really accurate. And the well, co- it's fun when people relate to, to the spot. covers. I mean, I did a painting several years ago of a guy with a trot line from a field trip we did oh, yeah. on the Kentucky River. And uh, people would show say something to me about that and said, that's my, you painted my grandfather right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, pulling his trot line, had a flathead catfish on it. Yeah. Oh, Just I see. the atmosphere that was, that was of the a painting. Lardo from the mm-hmm. Moran Brothers. Yeah. And his daughter was in my class about right. two years after that in Midway. Really. Yeah. The, the thing about this one is, you know, like you said, it's kind of nondescript. You don't have any buildings or anything in the background. Right. And I'd say 99% of people would not know where this is. No. But that 1% knows exactly. In, in fact, when they look at that, to me, it's almost reminiscent of an ocean scene, yeah. surf fishing or something, because there's so much drama in the water right there, Yeah, right where he stands. It's like a beach mm-hmm. with water coming in, except if you really look at it. Then you I mean, see you, it's cutting this way and then that you, way. You need to watch your feet and stuff because it's slickeroony and, you know, it's you, you yeah. got to make sure you're not foolish mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, I don't think I'd be standing on the very edge of it. No, I'd stand I, back a little bit. What are some other ones you've done that are like a location that someone could recognize if they... Oh, I've done some Cumberland mm-hmm. in the lake. Mm-hmm. I called it Casting the Clay Banks. Yep, that was with Benji. That's before Alewives. Yeah, we were fishing. I took a bunch of pictures and I made a painting out of that. And then uh, Doc Rich. Yep, with his dog. With f- fishing, no. That f- the one fishing on, the Cumberland, on, River, on yeah. the Cumberland River for trout. And that was recognizable. Him, you could recognize him and the, uh, and the stream street. scene. Yeah, and there's been others. I'm just trying to think of some of them. I-24. Oh, yeah, the bridge there. Yep. I-24 Tell bridge. Water, Kentucky Lake Tellwater. Tennessee River. Mm-hmm catfishing mm-hmm. and that's way back when i did that do you have a favorite that you've done mm, i'd have to think about that one that's tough huh yeah well i've done so many through the years i'll probably I'll categorize them my favorite the one bird, on the church of the Oakhorn. favorite fish favorite sporting scene and that one you did with laramore on the Oakhorn for the anniversary oh yeah i painted him sort of like a trapper running mm-hmm. his lines in a yep. canoe yep on the Oakhorn in oh. the winter that was in the yep. cold 
hard winter. I was trying to look. I was pulling up my phone here, seeing if I could find it. Water look. levels are obviously different, but the yeah. light's almost the same there. And yep. You still see how that water's coming off. I think water was higher on this day. I think we were fishing. Yes, and now the light you've got there, that's not the light when you over there. It was mm-hmm. different. But what I wanted, the time of day I changed, and that painting, that photograph you had there is very reminiscent of how I actually painted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just is. changed the time of day. Yep. Yeah. I was looking just to see if I had any uh, oh, good photos like that. But it is crazy how that water's coming off just that exact way. Yeah. You see how it's coming off that pad, then you got the yep. whitewash, and you got that recirculator. And if you get your swim bait out there, wham! Yep. There's a sweet spot out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I get excited when I walk down there or to the creeks and stuff when you just see the perfect water. It's like, right. all right, that That's, feature. It's going to happen mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, that water feature is exactly what I want. So. Sure. And that's that's one of those things. If you get down there, or like I said, on creeks and rivers at the the right time, and you can just plan it out in your head before you make the cast, and then it works out that way. Mm-hmm. That's how I like it. Yeah, I can't go fishing anywhere in the state where I'm not thinking about painting. painting. I just when I'm looking and I see something, it really hits me. Yeah, there are some beautiful places in the state. Um, oh, absolutely. The Palisades around mm-hmm. on the Kentucky River mm-hmm. would be a great place. Like they're around, uh, what's that, Blue Bridge that they call it, right where the Dix River flows in? Mm-hmm. High Bridge? High Bridge. High Bridge. You, you yeah, got it's, high bridge. it's gorgeous. Well, yeah, Dix River's gorgeous. I always considered High Bridge to be the, the I-64 or 75 bridge that goes over the, uh, uh, between Madison and Fayette County. Well, this was the high, at the time. At its time, it was High it was Bridge. The considered, I think it was the highest railroad suspension bridge in the country when it was built. Yeah. High Bridge. Yeah, I've spent time back there working with fisheries and yeah. fishing. That's a beautiful, beautiful River. spot. Um, Cumberland River, all up and down, it's beautiful. But uh, the Elkhorn at uh, um, Indian Head Rock mm-hmm. is beautiful. I'm trying to think. Of I just, painted that mm-hmm. uh, Indian Head and, Rock in a distant scene of Lee fishing. I was. Oh, really? And fishing. I took, got the material from that. We went there specifically. I didn't recognize it because my hair back then was brown. Well, <laughs> we went there late in the evening to pepper. fish, and specifically <laughs> I was looking for sunset pictures on the creek mm-hmm. fishing that, with the light hitting the Indian rock. head. Yeah, because that distance. sunsets to the west, and uh, that, that rock face mm-hmm. should get hit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as the trees, I guess that's high enough where the trees don't block it. No, it was really good. It was a pinkish yeah. light. It was really that's cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other just the most beautiful places. Otter Creek has some great places, too, mm-hmm. in the park. Or in the... I haven't spent a lot of time there. There's, there's some great spots in Otter Creek. Buck Creek, Pulaski County. Gorgeous. Yeah, really? I've been gorgeous. there years ago. Years Only ago. place... that There's cracks in the bedrock because it's so cavey yeah. that, that it's like an, a cave is adjacent. And in the summer, fog will emit from these cracks. It's like you're in, you know, like yeah. a Tolkien. Yeah. You know, oh, it's like you're in the Hobbit. This. I heard you talk about this place before. And then there's yeah. several caves where you go by it. It's like a gigantic air conditioner. It drops right. the temp- air temperature 20 degrees and just huh. blasts it. That'd be and nice. some of them have that cave, the yeah. locals call it cave smoke. Have you ever spent time on the Rock Castle and the Red River? There's beautiful have, places mm-hmm. on that. And I don't know about the quality of the fishing, but, of course, we have the walleye, the original strain. That's where we found the Rock Castle. The Rock Castle. I know it. Now, I think on the last podcast, or the one with Matt and Stephanie, we talked about some guys catching sturgeon and muskie on the rock castle down mm-hmm. there. Didn't we talk about that? Yes. Um, it's know, beautiful. They were they were catching these fish. I don't know if I should give away everything. They, they posted the pictures on social. Yeah. Um, down there in the Devil's Jump, Blue Heron type area. Mm-hmm. On Big South. Which Point, is yeah. one of the most beautiful places right. probably in the state I think of Kentucky. Tennessee stocks those muskies. Those muskies? That, that show up in the Big South Fork. Well, they... 
I was looking at how the rivers run, and I think it makes sense to me why those fish were there at that time. Because Laurel River Lake dumps out right mm-hmm. above that. So you mm-hmm. got a bend in Rock Castle River, and then when you go around that bend, you got Laurel River hitting it, coming out of the tailwaters. And uh, then, the you know, if you keep going up to Rock Castle, you get to the, all those boulders, and it kind of chokes the river down. It's almost like a pinch point. Yeah, the narrow. Or a stopping point. So I was thinking that water temperature was probably better in that stretch where Laurel wasn't dumping cold water out at that point in time. Like the water in the Rock Castle was probably warmer than it was downstream after Laurel hit. So I was thinking those fish were probably running up and those big ones were kind of getting choked out in that area where those boulders come in. And that could be why they were catching so many. But it's probably a very seasonal opportunity. You know, you got to catch it when all the water temperatures are the right in the Laurel River and then the Rock Castle River. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the hands down most beautiful places I've ever seen in the state. Where those huge boulders are just right, the just river. house yeah. size. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's. I, I wish my house was that size. I mean, <laughs> those boulders are ridiculous. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they're really big. And there's yeah. some some cool history down there too. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm going to run through my thing. We've been going for a while now. And yep. It's about lunchtime for me. Me too. I wanted to see yeah. if we, we, had we had we're going to go look at our bets for derby. Derby. Yeah. You know, last year we did a, a derby pick with uh, with Lee because he uh, he's the the horse guy around mm-hmm. here. But I haven't. Even, but I mean. Jesus wouldn't have had Rich Strike. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Some of my memories. 80 to 1. Of, yeah. yeah. Some of my memories of Derby and of uh, Thunder, which was, I guess, last weekend or the mm-hmm. week before, are turkey hunting. Because I remember, I can remember being out there turkey hunting and having the planes fly over while they're doing their practice the day before. Some of those planes make big enough loops where they'll come over Shelby County mm-hmm. in the process of turning around while they're doing the air show at Thunder. And I can remember sitting out there turkey hunting and having that. And then also derby. I can remember being turkey hunting and having, you know, while the derby's going on and, mm-hmm. and keeping track of that on my phone. So this weekend shouldn't be overlooked turkey hunting wise. I know Rick at the earlier today, I heard you saying it gets tough. Um, turkey hunting late season. And I think it's probably like based on the bird. Mm-hmm. Cause right now, I mean, hens should be on nest. Uh, yeah. You might- I, on the farm in the last week, uh-huh. just walking, the terriels around I've disturbed two birds on the nest. Were on the nest but I, I didn't see the eggs they got up and they just walked off real slow they didn't fly or anything yeah. they were in thick thick cover. stuff and I didn't see anything it's it's almost like they're just preparing to lay eggs huh. hmm. that, that's what it appeared unless yeah. I just didn't see them I didn't want to traipse around in there yeah. because I wanted them to come back mm-hmm so but it's on right now as far as nesting goes so if nesting's on those hens are a little preoccupied you might be able to find a lonely tom or two yeah now of course you might might be able to find an educated tom or two you know that have already played the game once or twice this year right might be harder to call but i mean this time of year this last weekend of turkey season you got more cover so you can move around a little bit more and you can maybe make moves you couldn't have made earlier you can hunt different areas because now all of a sudden you can stay hidden so it's good in the sense that you got more cover and that you might have less hens on the landscape competing yeah, with you. That's for sure. But it's yeah. also tough because, yeah. like you said, they've probably played the game once or twice, probably yeah, heard yeah. a few hunters. and yeah. So is that why you think it gets more difficult, just the pressure? Well, I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah. If an area gets hunted very much, yeah, they're pretty educated, yeah. by, by the, especially the older big toms, mm-hmm. if they've survived. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what we're going to do here. We're going to... Next podcast, Lee, is going to be me and you going pond fishing. Because, well, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because I want to hit that while, while it's hot. I know, it's, yeah. I know it's on right now. Yep. So let's go ahead and knock that one out while it's there. But then we should also do something like a follow-up on turkey season with Zach 
thanks, mm-hmm. just because the harvest was so great, great this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was up like 50% or something mm-hmm. like that last time I looked. So maybe... Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, that's it a is. a huge jump. But, you know, t- turkeys are very cyclical because of the wet springs. Sure. You know, they're so dependent on mm-hmm. the... And I knew that we'd had really good hatches. Elizabeth Johnson talked to us about mm-hmm. that on the podcast. So yep. that was pre-turkey season. We talked about, hey, we've She's had... already asked to come back on, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> she Elizabeth was like, look, I'll come on the podcast again. I was like, well, I, t- right before squirrel season. How's she, that say? She was great. I'll have her back on any time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we should do a follow-up on turkey season just to talk about why the turkey season, talk about what the numbers were and why they were what they were. And, right. uh, you know, Zach will have, by that point, all the info on mm-hmm. total harvest. He'll have... Maybe some participation info because I noticed when I tagged my turkey this year, and you probably noticed this too, Rick. One of the questions was, "How many days did you hunt?" Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know they're measuring participation too. I remember I put five for mine. It was my fifth hunt when I got that Jake. So Zach's even keeping track of that, which is probably weather dependent. So he'll yeah. have some good data for us. Yeah, that'll be some really good information, and I'm sure a lot of pe- hunters will want to hear. Yeah, the, the end result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. what the harvest was that's something we should Except. circle circle back and touch on that sounds yeah. real good well, let's plan on that let's go catch fish and let's talk to zach and lee i hope you or lee i hope you catch smallmouth in the stream like you want to and <laughs> i Ray, will hopefully you can get on some crap yeah, i hope you All bust right. them on the farm pond tonight well it's a new territory See, i have, I have a drone a, that's going to be following you so we can i uh, bet you <laughs> i bet you on a farm pond even though it's new territory i bet you whatever your tried and true method is will probably work well, we're going to give it a try. You can tell me. What 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 will you try? If you're a farm pond fishing night, what kind of lures presentation would you use? Well, well we were told, you see, it's according to what the target species is. My son might be going for bass, but I'm the, the owner said that he has nice crappie, which is unusual in a small lake mm-hmm. or pond. You're really not supposed to have those in there. Yeah. But if they're black crappie and you know what you're doing, they'll be fine. Yeah. And he said there's some really big crappie, so I'm going to be probing yeah. with my jig and just see if if that's true, the old curly tail jig, old curly tail, or hey, yeah. well, you can cover a lot of territory and see. I like, just with one of those, one of those, uh, Bobby, what is it? What Bobby one? Garland, Bobby Garland slider grubs. Those are those no, are no, Charlie right. Brewer slider Charlie grubs. Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. Bobby Garland has those little shad poles. And yeah, those little things. Are those a little, a little bitty swim bait or a little curly tail or something in a farm pond? That's fun for crappie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I've been going for the bass lately. Um, I've been looking at lizards um well it is lizard time well the brush hog i didn't have any lizards last time i went so brush hogs were the way to go i love a brush hog in a pond but when they're on the nest it's hard to beat a lizard yeah Mm -hmm. i love especially if you can see them it's fun and you know put a nesting fish back but it's a lot of fun pulling that lizard in there and watching that that fish's tail flick and its head turn and it see that lizard yeah moment of truth yep you know oh yeah here it goes yeah you got to let the line run you can't get too excited you gotta make sure it has it but that's uh that's something we'll be doing on the next one, Lee. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I've got pr- some. I've got a bunch of lizards. So I appreciate you all coming on. No problem. Yeah, it's a good, a good one. time. Thank you Had all. Good, good luck right. with the derby picks too. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're going to need that. <laughs> Forte looks really strong, but I think you know Lee's the expert. He's the handicap. All right. I mean, he's he's Forte looks really really strong. This ten, year. ten second derby pick Forte. Right. Forte, but underneath, I mean, I kind of like Rocket Can a little bit. And I like Two Fills a little bit, and for a giant bomb, I like Reincarnate. I, he didn't run very well at Arkansas, but if you look at his back, he's he's never out of the exact other than those two races in Arkansas. And right. he's got Johnny Velasquez, and he just worked 46-2 and two the other day. So Better use him underneath if you're going to do an exotic. Yep. 50-1 to one in the morning line. He may go off higher than that. Uh-huh. And he was like one of the hopefuls earlier in the year. He was like one of the one of the ones. Mm-hmm. He just had two bad races. I mean, he ran third. That's not bad. He hit the board twice in Arkansas. So we'll but, see. There you go. Yeah, any chance you can give a... Uh, 
leg up for a 51 shot. You got to. Yeah, put, put a dollar on it, right? Heck yeah. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. All right. All right.